Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? You know what? I'm I'm a little creeped out right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, we've talked about a certain movie on this show before. That's I think we talked about it with uh with Pat Healy re- recently, I think it came up. Uh yeah, I think so. Uh um a movie called Behind the Mask, The Lies of Rise of Les- Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. And, You're a little uh, tongue-tied, sounds like. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm shaking my boots here. <laughs> because this this performance as Leslie Vernon is is, uh, is a truly creepy performance. Yeah. And the man himself is sitting right across from me, glaring at me, into my soul. You, uh, know, <laughs> you know he's an actor, David. It's, yeah, you, I know. It's, and he's done other things with his in his career. Well, t- t- tell the listeners who we're talking about. Okay. Well, uh... Uh, we we teased it before and it didn't uh, didn't quite work out, but we're happy to have him here now. It's Nathan Basil. Hi, hello, <laughs> Nathan. How you doing? I'm good. All I'm right, good. I'm drying <laughs> off. Yeah, it's, yeah, it will be dry. It's wet outside. In about ten minutes. Yeah, it's one of those rare. It's the rainy season, David. Yeah, although I feel it's a little early, but this is not important. Oh, uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast. You could be listening to this in August. And right. say, I don't believe anything these guys have to say. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, uh, Nathan, thank you for being here. Very exciting, uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, as you can tell from our giddiness. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, actually, this whole thing will be an interview, so we'll get to know you quite a bit. Um, so let's go back, back in time to uh, when you first started uh, acting. What was it that really... Uh, you are you are an actor. I guess I should give you some kind of build up. Yeah, um, I'm an actor. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm also and so, a human being. What? <laughs> Things just got a little deep. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so yeah. Uh, so what was it uh, when you were younger? What was it that uh, you know that made you say, you know, I I like this acting thing. I think I want to do it professionally. It was easy. All right. Yeah. It was probably the easiest thing that I did of the many things that I did. Uh, I didn't have to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to practice. I didn't have to... I really didn't have to do anything apart from memorize some words and then get up on stage and speak them and then have a bunch of people pat me on the back. So I thought that was probably a good avenue to go down for me. <laughs> now, <laughs> when, did, when did you realize the ease? Was this in high school? Or? Late in high school. Yeah, I was. I'd done a lot of sports, and uh, they were just so demanding. And uh, then I did some acting later on in high school, and and uh, it wasn't demanding. So I decided to leave the sports behind for the <laughs> acting world. What I know this isn't really the point, but what sports did you play? Just out of curiosity, uh, water polo, swimming. I tried oh. wrestling in my freshman year. Um, you had very much my high school experience. I was also a swimmer and a, a water polo player for yeah. one season, even really half a season if you add up all the practices I skipped. <laughs> we had a, uh, a a pool that was heated um, mm. irregularly, so <laughs> morning practices were particularly grueling, yeah. and um, and, uh, and then afternoon practices, and then competitions and all that stuff. So it just uh, you know it was pretty demanding, and uh, and acting just really. I mean, what, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock, you get together with a, you know, bunch of friends and you, you know, pretend like you're five years old again, right. you know? Give each other back rubs. Yeah. I remember that being a big sure. thing in the drama club. Good. The massage yeah. train, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, now turn around. Um, yeah, well, that really... Uh that really deflates a lot of the a lot of the arguments that uh, some actors will make. They're just like, hey, it's hard work. It's really hard work. But, it can uh, be, sure, yeah. yeah. It can be hard work. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, it's about p- pretending. And, and uh, you know, there can be a lot of skill involved in that. But it can also just be something that you do because f- you love doing it. And you have, yeah. a, have a ball doing it. So, um, Were there any... Uh, were there any movies or anything that you saw that you said, "Oh, wow, that's that's really great"? I, you know, I mean, what was it that first spurred you on to even try it in the first place? Glenn Gary Glenn Ross was right. was a film that uh, did that for me, and uh, uh, there's just a lot of different performances in that, and a lot of different styles in it. But uh, the cumulative experience for me was one of just, uh, you know, a movie that, and and it kind of. I don't know, poison me in a way because they're, I don't know, it, it's it's very stylized uh, and it's very clean and it's very, 
cool. Um, another film that was um, affecting me around that time was uh, Reservoir Dogs, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I've since kind of cooled to the cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I just, uh, I don't know, I'm now kind of wowed by things that have have uh less style and you know mm-hmm. a little more grit and uh a little more um i don't know i i hate to say substance because it's very substantial but yeah uh what are speaking of which what are some are there any movies that you've seen in the last year or so that you really uh, responded to hmm <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't get out <laughs> a whole lot to see movies. I oh, got, yeah. I, I've got uh, two kids and a wife, and so oh, yes. m- you know, time is is a premium. But uh, yeah, I. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I I probably should have. You know, knowing that I was going in an interview, I probably should have thought about it a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, I, some of my favorite movies are I realized you know when people ask you what your favorite movies are mm-hmm. you tend to say the ones that you think people are going to be interested in hearing you say mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're not necessarily the ones that you would watch on a you know 24 hour loop mm-hmm. those movies for me um the, those my favorite movies are the hunt for red october mm-hmm. um amadeus um uh, all the President's Men, mm, mm. Uh, the Big Lebowski, the two Godfather movies. Um, There's three, you know. There no, are only two no, worth mentioning. There were only two Godfather <laughs> movies. Uh, we don't speak of that other. Um, yeah, those for me are just films that um, they just, oh, Die Hard, you know, two. I've probably seen Die Hard more times than I've seen any other movie. Yeah, I I could. It's just it could be on all day, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, whenever I'm flipping and it happens to be on any of those movies, they happen to be on. Mm-hmm. I could just fall in at 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 any part in the film and just follow it through. All the President's Men is like that for me, and it wouldn't it wouldn't seem like that kind of film. But I remember uh, back when I had a better cable package, uh, there was a uh, a station that it would be on frequently. And every time it was well, sure, on the All the President's Men channel. Oh, absolutely. APM. APM. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm not good at that. But uh, and it's it's strange because I would be up at like three in the morning, which is not unusual for me. But uh, nonetheless, I'd be just skipping through, and it's like, well, I'm going to go to bed probably here in about a half hour. Ah, shoot! <laughs> all the President's Men is on, and that is not a short movie. No. So, uh, and I would watch it all the way to the end because it's just—it's oh, more engaging than movie. one would assume. That's a phenomenal movie. I, I just—I'm—so much of it thrills me. Um, you know, not just the story, mm-hmm. um, which s- many people know, but uh, the performances are just fantastic. And there are so many performances that are unheralded in that movie. But the whole uh, effect of it, everything coming together as a whole, just make for a really tremendous movie that's um dense enough that you can return to again and again Mm. and still find things i went and read the book because i i wanted to to delve into it more uh deeply and uh the book was um i was pleased to see that it was very um uh accurately portrayed there were very few Mm. um creative licenses that were taken in uh in you know presenting as a film uh it was just phenomenal and it came out two years after yeah that's crazy to the think events about. i mean it just insane yeah that's yeah. something that i don't i don't think about very often because i was born after the film was made so by the time i you know got around to it it was just you know one of those older movies and and uh and i love it but uh but yeah it was still very fresh in people's mind, and this just said... It's sort of like uh, Best Years of Our Lives. Oh, yeah. Way. Have you ever seen that? Because yeah. that movie came out in, what, 46? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right after World War Two, and dealt very head-on with, with a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 But, stuff uh, that one would say people weren't ready to deal with. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, it did, you know, the, the Watergate stuff, you know, the, it started with a seemingly harmless burglary, mm-hmm. and it ended up in a president nearly getting impe- Well. 
impeachment proceedings had been, uh, you know, started against him and, uh, you know, he would have been kicked out of office, mm. you know. Um, I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah. So let's get back to the to the high school thing. I, I was mm-hmm. wondering, because I know, you know, I did some theater in high school, mostly on the tech, tech side, but there's, in my high school at least, it was, there was the straight plays and there was the musicals. And I noticed, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about Behind the Mask a lot because I love it so much. <laughs> so, I mean... It, your performance in Behind the Mask, there's a lot of physicality to it. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder, did you do a lot of musicals? Are you, are you a dancer? Did you, did you dance? I'm not a dancer per se, but I, I, I consider myself a very physical person. Yeah. And, uh, and I, do, I do like uh, musicals, um, or I can like musicals. Um, there are some that I really enjoy. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I consider myself a physical person, you know. Goes, yeah. you know, back to playing around as kids jumping off the roof pl- pretending you're spider-man or yeah. batman or whatever yeah so um you say you know i'm sure you're it's a little intentional glibness and in saying that acting you, you did it because it's easy but it, at a certain point clearly you you took it seriously because you you went to juilliard yeah when i knew that i was gonna uh go into debt really following <laughs> any profession i figured i should probably go into debt uh following something that actually you know really excited me so <clears throat> and uh I, I went to ucla at, at that point and and accumulated a, a good amount of debt and um actually i owed more at the end of my time at ucla than i did my time at juilliard isn't that ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah but then uh you know found myself at the end of two years i got my degree because um, i went to junior college Mm. Um, and, uh, and I just felt like I needed more training and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to parachute into any kind of, uh, you know, theatrical environment or acting environment and be able to find my legs and do what was needed to be done. And, uh, I just felt like I needed a a much bigger skill set. And, uh, and so Juilliard for me was the place. And it was a yeah. It sounds like you had a good good experience there. You're happy yeah. with Juilliard. Yeah, I did it. It was uh, it was very demanding, but uh, but it was a really remarkable experience, and I, I got some great training and some great friends out of it. Um, and then, uh, are there any uh, specific actors that you can point to and say like, oh, that person really kind of. Uh, not necessarily influenced, but really impacted me as an actor. Like I just everything that I try to be is something that they that they are. Are there any that you can think of off the top of your head? Um, you know, I I used to well, Robert Duvall. Um, mm-hmm. His particularly his earlier performances. Um, um, you know, I've tried to have the the depth and stillness of of morgan freeman or mm-hmm. at least work on that but i've you know i i can't touch the guy um uh, i think the kind of roles that johnny depp chooses in order to stretch himself and mm-hmm. just really not give the finger to his fans but uh you know really challenge them in in the same way that he challenges himself mm-hmm. um i think is really um admirable um mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh did you well no i guess you probably haven't seen uh, the road no i haven't seen it yet uh duval read the book. duval is in it for about Seven minutes, eight minutes, yeah. and uh, Duval, Duval is actually my favorite actor, and uh, oh, yeah. and he really and and yeah, you said like kind of his his earlier performances. At this point, like you kind of feel like you've seen the things that he does. It's just he kind of has a bag of tricks, and he'll return to it. It's always fun to watch, but uh, nothing nothing too new. Uh, he does some does some different things with his performance in the road. He plays uh, an old man named uh, Eli, and he really just. You know, uh, you're talking about the the depth and stillness of Morgan Freeman. Uh, he brings a lot of that to the to the role, where it's just just looking at him and just seeing the way he carries himself and where he chooses to take a pause. Like you really feel like an entire sense of history with this character that you just met and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's really an, an amazing performance. And then you just saw Invictus. Um, yeah, speaking of Morgan Freeman, I just yeah. saw Invictus today. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's a great performance. When you, yeah, what do you expect? And Matt Damon's great. It's a 
It's a good movie. I don't have anything okay. else to say about yeah. it. <laughs> so, and then I just saw Punisher Warzone, but we'll we'll talk about that another <laughs> time. Um, so, uh, uh, live action? Yeah, really? yeah. It's uh, 2008. It's the guy <laughs> who played uh, Titus Pullo in on the Rome. Did you watch that that uh, no. series on HBO? I can't remember the guy's name. Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. Huh? Yeah, and uh, and basically, it's just a. Uh, it, it might as well be animated because the effects are so ridiculous and the violence so. I would say silly that uh, it's just like, oh, this is I think they were trying. I mean, comic book movies, they often say, well, we're trying to make a living comic book. I think they might have done it. (laughs) You know, something I saw yesterday that really knocked me out was uh, on the Marvel uh, website. They have some um, I don't know what they call it, uh, living comics or Hmm. or motion comics or something like that. Um, There is a as a uh, as a sample, I think, four different um, Spider-Woman episodes, Hmm. which are I I only saw the first one, but it knocked me out. I mean, and I think they've got an X-Men one. I I saw a little bit of the X-Men one. It didn't have the same kind of punch that the uh, Spider-Woman one. But you got to check it out. It's really it's it's really cool. Did you see any of the uh, the Watchmen motion comics? No, they're really they're really interesting. I have one over there. And I don't know, maybe after maybe after the episode's over, we'll watch it for five minutes because it's it is (laughs) astounding. Yeah. They really found a way just somewhere in between comic books and just like pure animation. It's kind of like what uh, what Kill Bill was doing in some mm. of the um, animation sequences there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. I was about to go off on a, on, on a long thing about uh, about Kill Bill. But yeah, it's really <laughs> it's really neat. And I feel like it's something that has a has a future i think people are getting i think they're desperate to find a new way to grab audience and it seems like a logical progression yeah yeah it's it's really amazing when when done beautifully like that but yeah. uh so i so, guess so we let's get back to the yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> at what Sorry. point did you uh, what, when did you leave juilliard when, when uh 2002 okay so uh I guess walk us through what happened after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left New York, came back here. I grew up in Southern California, so just wanted to get back home and got married and started a family and, uh, you know, tried to get some work when I could. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I've been doing, you know, guest starring roles on a lot of the, you know. Were you able to get work sort of right away? Or did no. You, did you have a day job? Or? <laughs> no. No, I was uh, really expecting that um, I would get shot out of a cannon, and um, and I kind of rolled out and <laughs> fell to the ground with a thud, and then started, you know, trying to build up speed um, on my own. It, yeah, so it was it was a definite, um, you know, journey, uh-huh. which I'm still on. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I get I get get to work when I can, and uh, I've you know seen audition for just about everybody and you know it's kind of a numbers game you you do a certain amount of auditions and you get cast a certain amount of times you mm-hmm. know just keep on trying to you know hustle and get yourself out there um behind the mask was actually my first film i didn't i hadn't done anything before that and film wise um and um i was really surprised because i my resume just didn't recommend me at all to the part but uh-huh. well let's know. talk uh, I, I you know i've been chomping a bit to talk about behind the mask anyway well um, perhaps we can perhaps david we can talk about some of his television appearances first okay. and right. you know you're I, right you're right slow down Dave. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> you gotta there's walk not before much you talk can. about it. i mean you know we can kind of <laughs> cover it in a couple sentences you know you, the the typical cop dramas i've been the bad guy Oh, all right. Um, you know, and all those. That's pretty much what I do on mm-hmm. TV is I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy or I'm the guy that you think is the bad guy and then you find out oh. that he's not the bad guy. But, but very well could have been. But he's he probably up been, to something. And he should be in prison, really, <laughs> or something. We don't know what it is, but it's not about him. It's about the guy that did it. we got to find the guy that did it. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly not anymore the guy that did it, which is disappointing because... He should be the guy that did it. <laughs> I'm that guy. Does that how does just in general, like uh how does that make you feel often being cast it's as the really villain? It's really weird because I don't think that I'm a weird guy. I don't feel like I'm a mean guy or or you know 
but at the sense I get and, and from what people have told me, I guess I come off as really intense to people. I come mm-hmm. off as really intimidating and I don't know. I find that really saddening and, and <laughs> no, really. I mean, I, I, well, I'm, I feel right at home with you. <laughs> Just, well, that's good. <laughs> I think it's the boots. Yeah. You know, these, these are my dads. These are circa hmm. 1960s. Oh, nice. Mid 1960s. I stole them out of his closet. He'll never miss them. <laughs> yeah. I'd, again, I don't want to get off topic, but you're, you're a very well-dressed fellow here. That's it. Well, I'm going to Christmas parties. Ah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've got to go on. Who's, I think that's my Blackberry. Ah, we can ignore David. it. Come on, David. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so you're always in, in the cop shows. You're always, always the, almost always the killer, very seldom like the the forthright uh, witness who just wants to help. You're, you're almost I've always the I've never been the lawyer. Right. I've, I've never been the cop. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. I have been a cop. I've been, uh, I actually, my only recurring role on TV was uh, I played a sheriff's deputy um, on a show called Invasion, and um, was he corrupt? He was not corrupt. Okay, he was a little tweaked. He was a All little right. off kilter, but he was still a sweet and sincere person. Oh, no. That's good. All right. Um, I, I'm sad to say I never watched Invasion, but I heard good things. I heard it was, was a, a, great show. a show that was that was canceled uh, sort of before its <laughs> before its time. You know, I it guess, was. Uh, it's funny because uh, it was with ABC and ABC would kill for the numbers now that right. we finished our season. We got a whole season. We were the last we were probably the last big budget network uh show, primetime show um to get a whole season when you get out of the box and the numbers aren't what they want. Mm-hmm. Um we were I think the last program that ABC or any network um just stuck out a whole season for. Um Unfortunately, we didn't get anything past that season. But uh, now this was th- that premiered fall of two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five could could be two thousand six. I don't remember. Okay, uh, just I guess that that's really fascinating to me. The idea of someone being on a show that's it's got a it had a pretty uh, 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 as, as a genre show. I guess it had a a certain b- built in fan base, right? And then it also had a lot of critical support, right? Uh, just you know, what's the sort of because I've Invasion is sadly one I missed out on, but I've been a fan of those kind of shows before. You know, like your Fireflies and your shows that get they get canceled. Yeah. Uh, what, what's it like on the other other end? I mean, I, I imagine are there still? Do you ever do conventions or anything? Is anyone ever? No, I mean, uh, I I think the DVD is still selling because right. I get residual checks, but um, I don't. I have no idea. I've never been. You know, contacted, and as far as I have seen, there none of the other actors have been, mm. um, you know, involved in conventions or anything like but that. Th- for th- us. Is, is there an online fan community? Or? I don't know. You know, I got really. Um, it was my. F- it was the first time that I ever had a recurring role on a mm-hmm. show, and it was the first time that I ever had money, and I didn't have to like worry about where rent was coming from and where you know the you know whether or not the bills were going to get paid and it was a really crazy transition for me just in terms of like whoa so this is what it's like and just not really willing to let go of like the fear of the way that I had been living up to that point uh you know just the constant fear mode and you know about halfway through the season I started to kind of breathe and relax and (laughs) You know, things were going well. The show was doing well, and I was getting some fun stuff to do. And, and uh, you know, I was showing up at the studio, you know, and I'm on the lot, and I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm a regular on a show, you know. <laughs> woohoo! Um, and, uh, you know, and then we didn't get that second season. And, um, and, and there was a lot of people uh, who were r- rallying, you know, trying to get it you know get the network to change its mind and and um and uh, I kind of just I don't know it uh, it I guess hurt my feelings a little bit <laughs> as I took it too personally you know <laughs> yeah it's just business and yeah. they're just doing what they're doing and they're trying to run the business the way they see fit and uh you know people can sometimes have an effect on things but oftentimes don't 
Mm-hmm. And uh and that was kind of sad to see. Yeah. And uh so I I pretty much just you know, went into a little cocoon and spooned myself for a bit and uh you know, tried to get the next job. <laughs> yeah. Were there I mean, were there sort of uh did you see it coming the not getting renewed or, or you know, was it was was it the idea were, were you guys like a a sort of band fighting for your lives before? No, you know, I didn't I didn't really see it coming. I I mean, I I I, I it just seemed like the ratings were getting better and better with each week and mm-hmm. they'd really by by mid-season um they actually just before mid-season they were getting spooked by I think the 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 numbers that the network was getting spooked and so they were um i think they were probably encouraging the um production to to in, intensify things it had kind of a lugubrious pace and it was it was very tonal and mm-hmm. moody and um and it liked to live there and by about actually the episode that i had a big role in my first episode that i had a big role in that was when they really started turning up the volume on it and Mm -hmm. uh and so the energy the action the pace was getting picked up and and the ratings started responding and by the time we aired the last episode i i don't remember what the rating was but it was it was you know really good numbers and um and yeah i remember being surprised that it wasn't getting picked up, but then I didn't have any frame of reference. Yeah. Now I've not I've not seen the show, but uh, that sounds infuriating. Uh, <laughs> so I, like I have no emotional connection to it, but just you know it it happens a lot that a show that ha- sounds like it had a decent following. I mean, they allowed an entire season, and uh, then for really seemingly no reason, they just say, "Nah, we're going to do something else." Mm-hmm. And then what was because I don't know much about the show itself. What was Invasion about? Uh, it was. I think that was part of the problem too is that ah. a lot of people couldn't really explain what it was about in a, you know, really tidy, you know, summary. Mm-hmm. But uh there were these aliens or I think they were kind of creatures that were living in symbiosis with humans and had maybe been on earth for a while, you know, if not for you know they had evolved as humans had evolved but mm-hmm. they kind of dwell in the water mm-hmm. and so in this in this town um uh this florida town um that had just been struck by uh, a hurricane um there was uh people in the town that were suddenly acting differently mm-hmm. and people were trying to understand why they were acting differently um and the sheriff of the town was one of those people who was acting differently and mm-hmm. he was kind of spearheading this effort to um i don't know kind of rally them into a a, a really strong group uh, a a kind of army um not in opposition with the humans but um um there were other powers that were being referenced hmm. that i think wanted to use an army against the humans but in any in any case the 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 number of of those kind of hybrids were were growing and uh there was you know the the season ended with you know the implications being that there was maybe a, a, a war brewing. Hmm. Now that did, sounds awesome. That sounds <laughs> awesome to me. It was did, pretty cool. Did, yeah. did you it's like a show it? that I would have watched. Okay, it's right. totally a show that I would have watched and enjoyed, and I was thrilled to have been on a show that I would have watched. You know, because there's not a whole lot of network TV that I'm interested in watching. Yeah, we have we we have that frequently. Like the the guests that we get, you know, they will show up. You know, as a uh, just kind of a, a one-off in a on a show that they're like, yeah, I don't know anything about that show. I I watched my scenes from it, and uh, <laughs> I don't even I don't even really like those. So yeah, <laughs> getting to be a part of something uh, that yeah, um, most of yeah, in, Invasion was probably the only show that I've ever done that I would have actually watched. I don't I've never watched any of the <laughs> other shows that I've done except for the, 
the ones that I've had episodes in. Right. Um, all right. Well, we've been going for a while, David. I think. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think that was. That go was right ahead. Now, at this bomb. point, had uh, when in when did Behind the Mask come along? Post post invasion? No, pre pre invasion. But it came out in theaters post invasion. Is that right? I don't remember how that happened actually. Because um, it was. Yeah. No, I think it was. Came out in theaters after Invasion, I think. It came out here. Maybe I know it. It, it, it played the. I'm sure. I know it played like some some festivals. I guess. Yeah, it or was it, really big on the I festival circuit, and uh, and then it was released nationwide for about four days, maybe well, five. <laughs> I saw it at the at the Los. I saw it at the Los Feliz three sometime in I think I want to say late 2007. Oh yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, and also had one of those uh, experiences that you have uh, sometimes in Los Angeles where clearly some of the people who were in the theater knew you because when your name came up, a bunch of this these people applauded. Like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, yeah. You saw it at a screening, uh, no, or just at, at a, the movie theater. At the movie theater, yeah, and it was uh, uh, a trip. <laughs> Apparently, there was there were like three, like a group, of like three or four people who who must have known you because it, Nathan Basil came up. I don't and feel like, like I know that many people, but <laughs> it's it's possible. I got some. <laughs> well, David, it sounds like there was a very small window. How did you How did you find out about the film? Uh, I think I just read the review in in LA Weekly, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember who reviewed it, but um, it someone who had seen it on the festival at some festival, and uh, yeah, and we got great reviews. The LA Weekly um, review was fantastic. Yeah, and that's 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 what sent me out there. Let's talk before we get into it. Let's talk about what the movie is for those who don't know. Right, it's a. Uh, I guess it technically kind of falls into the mockumentary category, but it's also uh, a very sort of academic deconstruction of slasher horror uh, mm-hmm. tropes and symbolism. But uh, do you want to tell the the, the story, the actual yeah, story somebody, of the film? Yeah, when somebody uh, says, hey, Nathan, how you doing? And you say, I'm doing fine. I'm not going to go through the whole conversation. <laughs> but uh, when they say, what's this behind the mask about? What do you say? Oh, boy. <laughs> We can go back to David if you yeah, want. Yeah, that would actually be great. Why don't you handle okay, that, so, David? Uh, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, uh, a film student. She's trying to make a documentary about this guy, Leslie Vernon, right. who is sort of in the, the early stages of becoming a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees or something or, or someone like that. He's right, and in this world that the, that the film is portrayed in – uh, those characters aren't people that live up on the screen. They're real people in mm-hmm. this world. Right. The Mike Ma- Michael Myers, uh, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't want to give uh, a lot of the story away, but that's sort of the, the basic premise, that she's following him around while he's planning essentially the first entry in his franchise, <laughs> his, fir- his first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so that's essentially what the story's about. Now, how did you... Uh, how did it, how did it happen? How did you get the uh, the the role? I just uh, my agent, you know, gave me the you know audition information. And I went and auditioned for it, and uh, <clears throat> I felt good about the audition. Um, I don't know. Frankly, I didn't feel like I was doing anything different than what I always do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I try to show up and do a good job, and um, and uh, yeah, so it went well, and then. They and then I think we had callbacks on it, and and they paired me up with um, some different female actors um, for Taylor and and uh, Angela was there um, at the auditions, and we had some great scenes. And Angela, um, what's, what's her last name? Angela Gothels. Right. Um, She's the aforementioned film student. Yeah, Taylor Gentry. Yeah, and um, so then I got a call a few days after that from Scott, the director. And um, and and co-writer um, asking me, you know, what I th- what I thought of the women. Did I have an opinion? And uh, I I told him that uh, you know I thought Taylor was. I mean um, that that uh, Angela Angela was where it was at. And uh, and then we had a really good conversation. Uh, I could tell that he was kind of in between me and uh, one other guy. And. Um, and I could tell that what I was doing was different than what, you know, everybody else was doing, which is cool. That's what I like to do is just show something that's different. But particularly with this, I felt like where, where it was really strong was it, 
it could very easily be played like a evil guy who's just mm-hmm. evil and i don't know we've seen that you know that's that's yeah. old um i thought that it would be a lot more interesting and a lot more effective if the guy was kind of cool like like kind of nice and like <laughs> yeah. you actually really would enjoy too. spending time yeah. with this guy you know he's got some really fucked up hobbies but he is you know kind of a nice guy yeah and but I, I like that i mean there's still he's still the, the fact of the matter is that he still is evil even though he doesn't necessarily act like that but you there are parts in the performance where you can see it poking out at the corners you know you can see him like oh right this guy's a psychopath <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. and i th- and i felt like it had an, an intellectual element too because if you're playing it f- as a guy who is just a normal guy then instead of being able to easily explain it away as this guy is just evil, mm-hmm. um, it takes on a kind of moral and philosophical quality, you know, where you have to take a look at if this guy is normal and doesn't apologize for what he does, he's a normal guy um, who believes truly that what he's doing is no different than what a doctor does. He's just kind of the opposite of a doctor. He's, mm-hmm. you know, a doctor gives life and he takes lives. Um, how do you explain that away and tuck it, you know, neatly away in a in a mm-hmm. little box? You know, I felt like it was a lot more interesting and and a lot more challenging. Yeah, and that that theme is uh, explored uh, in a great scene. I I, I love uh, Scott Wilson in the in the film. I think he uh, uh, Scott Wilson is a per- like a battleship retention favorite yes. uh, character yeah. actor. Anyway, yeah, we're a big <laughs> uh, fan of of his. I assume you guys keep in touch. Perhaps you can help him get on the show. Um, but the uh, it, it's kind of why we had you here, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we thought let's go through the lead actor to get to the guy who was, who was in three scenes. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, but when he talks about the service that that uh, his character and, and your character provide, which is like providing a, a sort of balance uh, in the universe. And, uh, and it really is. And, and the conviction with which, uh, you know, you and he play that, that motivation uh, is, that is scary. It's not, you know, it's one of the reasons that I always, it's fun to watch Anthony Hopkins play Hannibal Lecter because he plays him. I've always said kind of like a James Bond villain, which it's just, he takes joy in the evil that he's doing. But the problem to me is that everybody in the film is always saying, well, you don't want to let Hannibal Lecter in your head. And the joke that I would always say is, well, if Hannibal Lecter came came across the way Anthony Hopkins plays him, you're not going to let him anywhere near your head. He's, you know, you, like, I'm not going to tell this guy any secrets. I'm going to lie to him. And <laughs> what I like about about your interpretation of, of Leslie Vernon is that, you know, anybody who talks about Ted Bundy you know, or any of those other guys, they seem like just kind of fun, lo- normal, fun-loving guys uh, in life, and then they have this whole other side of them that uh, nobody would have guessed. And and that's one of the things that I think makes the film, aside from its uh, from the format in which it is made, that's one of the things that sets it apart for me is that it it takes the ideas of a Jason and a Michael Myers, and it it takes it to another level that is amusing at times but also much much more deeply disturbing than a jason or, or well, whatever if, if if somebody is just evil mm-hmm. if their actions are just purely evil then it's easily explained and it's and it's um and you can make yourself safe again but mm-hmm. if the actions are evil but their rationality of their evil actions is actually sensible mm-hmm. that's scary i think and if you have uh frame the behaviors of these people in you know that you see in films but if you can give an underpinning philosophy that actually makes what they do make sense mm-hmm. um i think not only does that give you a lot of room for hilarity but it also opens up um a a, a kind of um window into a philosophy that's um really exciting and really scary so speaking speaking of of, of jason and michael myers were you were you a, a slasher horror fan going into behind the mask did you do a lot of research uh, no, did you watch a lot of those i felt movies? like i needed to because <laughs> <laughs> the script uh you know was really about that 
Um, it was very yeah. scholarly. Yeah. And uh, and and I'm not. I'd seen the first three um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies because mm-hmm. um, my uncle owned a video store and we were up in, in Washington State visiting him one time and really all we had to do was just go to his video store and grab an armful of movies and so we just watched we watched everything. Um, Jaws 1, 2, and 3, I think I saw then. Uh-huh. You stopped before 4. I feel like Probably that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. a good idea. <laughs> I don't think it was even out by then. You know? <laughs> Remo Williams. <I> saw. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I'd seen those, um, which I thought were really fantastic movies and also really scary. Um, but uh, I hadn't really seen anything. I'm not a horror guy. Mm-hmm. I um, They they really freak me out. I, you know, um, Silence of the Lambs is another one of my yeah. um, favorite films. You know, it's a movie that I could watch over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I would put it in the realm of horror for me because it freaks me out. Now, it yeah. doesn't, you know, it doesn't ascribe to the, the rules of, you know, classical horror films. But for me, it's got, you know, a lot of the, you know, thrilling and chilling aspects that I think a lot of people find in in horror films and it's one that I could just go back to and watch over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now it's so as as uh David was saying it's you know there's a a, a large portion of the film is mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Um which kind of the whole idea behind mockumentary uh comedy or otherwise uh is that it has to seem real it has to seem in the moment it has to seem extremely conversational. Um how much of the script uh, was written that way, and how much was there a lot of imp- uh, improvisation? Um, it no, I think I tried to be. You know, I, it was a great script. I read mm-hmm. it, and I just felt like the script was so clean and well composed that I just I felt like I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and in fact, that's why I didn't feel like I needed to do a whole lot of research for it. I mean, I I watched you know Friday the Thirteenth, but. Mm-hmm that was all I could do because my wife is terrified by horror movies. So mm-hmm. I can't like watch a movie at home and my wife not be, you know, it's like <laughs> the arrangement was just terrible. So I couldn't do my research. I was a bad actor. I couldn't do my, re- I was also a lazy actor. And um, it's, my yeah. it's my theme. It's my theme. But I just felt like the script takes care of it. The script speaks to it. Um, you know, Scott um, and uh, David Stevie, the, the um, writer, um, they did their homework. They they knew what they were talking about, and they cover all. I just say their words, and people mm-hmm. get you know the people who get what they're talking about are gonna get what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what I need to do is I need to just make it <laughs> believable. And the way for me to find a way into making it believable was to embrace the philosophy and 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 which I didn't actually find myself doing until I was actually on set and, and, and deep in the middle of working when I just, I felt like it all clicked to me and I felt like I get what he's doing now. He's, he, he's not apologetic about what he's doing um, because he feels like what he's doing is bestowing on these people, the greatest gift mm-hmm. that anybody could ever have bestowed on them. He's ushering them into the the next plane you know the the next world the Mm. the next life whatever you know however you define it he's he's you know allowing them in in some kind of of uh zen way to shed themselves of the agony and the sufferings of life life is Hmm. is um you know is a trial and he's he's bestowing on these people his victims the gift of death (laughs) and um and that's why he feels his occupation is no less um dignified than that of a doctor um but when i had that i i I took a, a a new special glee in some of the you know dialogue scenes because i i felt like um i felt like i had figured him out and uh and uh i no longer had to had to fake that he was somebody that I could really get behind. Hmm. You mentioned it being uh, scholarly, and it 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 really is because uh, it's sort of like like the the scream the first scream movie. Like really, it, it sort of explored the conventions of these kind of films, whereas Behind the Mask goes deeper and explores 
the themes, you know, and, and, and stuff. And you, your character has, uh, uh, does a lot of explaining, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think it's both, a, a testament to the script and to your performance that it's always entertaining and always in character. It doesn't ever sound like a, like a lecture or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like a, like a film buff saying, well, all right, here's how it works. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just somebody who's really passionate about their work and they're just explaining it like, well, this is part of what I do. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then there are a couple moments when, uh, when, uh, Angela's uh, character, Taylor, um, kind of questions that and says well isn't that a bit sexist or whatever and you just kind of give her this look like look i didn't make the rules all right this is just how it has to be <laughs> but uh, so you mentioned uh, that you found sort of really came into the character on set talk about what was what was shooting the movie like where where did you film what was, what uh, was we were like? up in portland and uh, a lot of the um in fact all the shooting that we were doing was just uh, a little bit north of of downtown and you know it was all pretty much in that area yeah. um but uh it was it was great uh you know i'd never like i said i'd never done a film before so i had never had those kinds of experiences of being on location and you know making a movie and uh and i'd never had the kind of demands being placed on me uh of being on screen so much or or being on camera so much and um I was I was thrilled because it just felt like um, it was a perfect fit. The what Leslie was going through was um, because he was, you know, a very ambitious character. I'm, I'm, you know, an actor of ambition, but he was on the edge of the precipice, and he was about ready to step off, and he was. Um, just kind of putting everything in place and um, ready to take everything to the next level. And I felt like with my performance, because everything was um, fitting so much in place and because I felt so like so much of the demand of the film was on my shoulders, but it felt completely light as a feather because I just... I, I just felt like I was the right guy in the right place at the right time. Um, I felt like the film was going to do for me what Leslie was expecting the documentary to do for him. Uh-huh. Um, and because of those parallels, um, it felt like a particularly um, exciting time. So let's. Uh, so what, what what did happen after? I mean, uh, the film obviously came out, you know, on festivals first, and not much of a. Except not much <laughs> uh, theatrical release. Utter disappointment, depression, <laughs> confusion, <laughs> bewilderment. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Is that what the? I mean, is, would you like to go into that anymore? <laughs> what was the experience? Uh, well, like? you know, my career has been one of it, it's been a journey, and that was a very, um, you know, uh, sad and low part of my journey, and I've found that the those you know periods of humiliation are really. Um, fantastic ultimately humiliation in the humbling sense you know Mm -hmm. because uh um i find myself constantly at war with an ego that wants to run amok and those impositions of humility really help to keep keep the ego in check uh yeah no i i I really thought and i i think i think everybody thought that it was gonna do um well and you know for for a film that had the kind of budget that we did and for as many things to go wrong as go wrong on Uh an indie film with the kind of budget that we have um the kind of you know deadline you know pressures where you just you got to get the shot and you got to move on because you just you're you're just running out of time and you, you, you got to complete the shot list for the day. And you, I mean, for, for just all of the, you know, massive number of things that go into, you know, producing the thing and then doing all the post-production work on it, all of the choices that get made. I mean, that part was fascinating. I loved sitting over the editor's shoulder as he's, you know, putting, making choices to use this take or this part of this particular take. And, 
you know, there's just so many things that go into making a film what it is. I got to see what that process is. And then there is taking that, shopping it around, getting somebody who you think is going to take your thing and just get it out there to the world. Um, and, uh, and it didn't get out there to the world. Now there's, you know, a number of reasons why, but, um, but, you know, seeing the way that people responded to it, both in the lead up to its release and in the life that it's had since its release, um, yeah, maybe if more money was put into promoting the thing and, and, and there weren't, there wasn't such a heavy reliance on, on, internet uh buzz to Uh to Mm -hmm. you know pique people's interest um it could have had a bigger better life but i I think everything works out and this just seems like i still get responses every day from people on facebook and myspace who are just freaked out they just saw the movie they didn't know anything about it Uh or somebody told them you got to watch this and they watch the movie and they freak out. And it's so <laughs> exciting to be a part of something that has that kind of effect on people. Yeah, I know. I I told everyone. And <coughs> sadly, by the time I was able to tell everyone, it wasn't in the theater anymore. But uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I, yeah, I had. The, I had the same experience. I just told people to go see that movie. Now, I, I can say this safely uh, because, of course, I had no personal stake in the film. Uh, but I think it's I think everything about that film is the kind of film that I think it benefits from people discovering it like on a, on DVD. Like I, I, I worked at a video store when it came out and uh, we only got a few copies of it. But it, it did get rented all the time because it was just a little intriguing and people didn't know what to expect and they always liked it. And sure enough, they told their friends. I mean, I knew people that would that would they said like, oh, yeah, I watched it. And then I had some friends over who watched it again. Oh, it's so great. You know, it's just it's one of those. It's a film that I think is a legitimate, uh, you know, kind of a modern cult classic, really. And I'm not saying that because you're here. Uh, in fact, you're here because I because we think that because it is such a. <laughs> Because it is such a film, it's a film that that David and I have been, you know, championing for a while. Uh, but I know that we're not alone in that. A lot of people really love it, and uh, and it's a film that I feel like it. If it had been like widely seen in the theater, then everyone would know about it. And and it's one of those films that just I feel like the people who see it, they're not necessarily possessive of it, but it's like, yeah, I found that on my own. You know? <laughs> I think that's why cult stuff, you know, I, I've thought about cult stuff and, and and I think that's why they have they get the kind of momentum that they do is because people feel like they are in possession of something that's really special. And mm-hmm. because nobody has heard about it or is talking about it, it that's what makes it feel special and uh and i i, I kind of uh take delight in the fact that somebody can you know without any kind of prompting come across something that they're just going to take a bet on you know that they've got 2 hours to fill with their night and they could see something that just really kicks their ass and they are you know, thrilled at the end of watching it. And, um, and, uh, I just love that. I love having been a part of something like that. All right. Well, I think that's a <laughs> good note to end on. Oh man, look at us. Oh, I don't have so much more to talk. Do about. Do you really? I just wanted to ask about like, oh, all right. I mean, you got to, uh, I'll just kick I, back. I know you, you said you're not a horror fan, but I mean, you got to work with uh, Robert Englund and, oh, yeah. and very briefly with Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the last day of shooting. That really? was the very last day of shooting with Zelda. Yeah, that was a trip. Yeah, no, Robert was awesome. He uh, he came onto the set, and he's he's a whirlwind of a man. I mean, the, yeah. the guy is just so much energy, and um, he is this fountain of knowledge of people of films of actors of just everything um and uh he he flew in and uh we were just thrilled to have him i mean when we yeah. when we when we found out that we got him it, it was it was bizarre to me that we were there in portland we're shooting the movie and we still haven't we still don't know who's playing 
Eugene, uh, Scott Wilson's part, uh-huh. and we don't know who's playing, uh, you know, the 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 doctor part. Um, you know, it was just crazy to me. But anyway, you know, we found out we got him, and we we're like, this is going to take the whole thing to the next level. That's just fantastic. So Robert came up. And then he took us all out for a drink and paid for the whole thing, <laughs> which I was thrilled about. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he was just so friendly and gregarious. And, and um, I mean, he was just such a great – I couldn't have imagined a better contribution to yeah. the film, both in energy and, and spirit and, and what he brought to it in not just his work but, you know, his whole attitude – I mean, he's, we, we shot, we shot a scene, I guess they had to show him my stuff in order to convince him that it was something worth doing. Uh-huh. And so he, they showed him some scenes from some of the dailies that we'd shot and, and, uh, he thought it would be worthwhile. So he, he went up and did it, but then we were shooting one of the scenes. Oh, they showed him the audition, some of the audition stuff. Okay. And um and we were shooting one of the scenes that he'd seen from the audition tape. And um he was just kind of like lurking around. And uh I think this was his first day of, of work. And um and we shot it and he pulled me aside and he was like, You're doing fantastic. You're you're awesome. You're doing an awesome job with this. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of a young Anthony Perkins. You know Anthony Perkins? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I love Anthony yeah. Perkins. <laughs> yes, young Anthony Perkins. You just, what you're doing is just so right on. And I was like, <clears throat> I'm getting the seal of approval from and Freddy Krueger, man. <laughs> and that's another big treat about the about his role is that he's Freddy Krueger, but he's playing yeah. he's he's playing the the sort of opposite of the he's playing the Donald Pleasance role from Halloween, right. essentially. Uh, you know what? He's playing Donald Pleasance. Like <laughs> yeah. he's doing he's doing the voice. He's got like he's not even doing. Oh, here's an homage to this type of character. He's playing Donald Pleasance, which I like. I, I like that he's just clearly just doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the film really does uh, really does have its its horror uh, bona fides, like by getting uh, Robert Englund in writing and getting uh, Zelda Rubinstein. Rubenstein. Rubenstein. That, I'm just and, guessing uh, that's the pronunciation. But then also like getting Scott Wilson and just and hearing how his character talks about you know in his heyday, and then you remember like right he was in in Cold Blood, which kind of and the way he, the way he describes it. As not very glamorous and just kind of you know you just do what you got to do. Bludgeoning people, yeah, <laughs> and it's like all oh, right, pretty brutal and and without a whole lot of uh, of forethought. Yeah, and uh, and he really is in admiration of these young upstarts who are taking things to the next level. Yeah, it's <laughs> the inclusion of that character and then casting him with with the with the history that he has. Yeah, um, was really a, a, a stroke of genius and. Uh, and like you said, it really does. I, I think ha- including those those people, especially Robert England, is be, it really I think put the film on on the on people's radar where it previously wasn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, David, we've been going for a while. How many more questions you got? No, that's it. it, it that's okay. I just wanted to talk about that about Robert England and okay. <laughs> and, and get your your point of view on it, which was fascinating. Yeah. So uh, what do we, what do we have to look forward to? You got anything? Uh, well, I read a couple weeks ago the first draft of the sequel to Behind the Mask. Whoa! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, who who knows uh when it would get underway, but um, uh, you know, possibly this next year. Awesome. And um and you know, just the fact that uh that uh David Stevie and and Scott Klosterman are are um you know getting into the script in earnest uh is it's it's fun and now i'm in an incredible position of being able to see what the pre-production process is all about Mm -hmm. i got to see what the production and the post was was uh was all about and uh and i found it fascinating and this is going to be a whole new um a whole new education in itself well, it sounds like you like so much of the filmmaking process do you have uh any ambitions of being on the other side of the, of it's, the camera? Ver- it's very hard i've heard <laughs> to direct something but uh but yeah is that something you'd be interested in doing someday yeah um you know hard isn't 
in my vocabulary. No, that, that's <laughs> not true. I mean, no, I there there was the the behind the mask was totally grueling and it was totally jacked up and it was there was so much about it that was just so demanding. But I felt like I was loving so much of it mm-hmm. that all of the grueling demands were I, I I was in a completely different you know you know we're shooting up in a row it's like almost freezing you know weather and I'm standing out there in my bare feet on gravel ground you know tromping around in mud take after take after take after take you know the bottom of my feet are just raw and and eviscerated and and uh, uh you know i'm 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 just freezing but i got to practice the kind of total focus and 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 utter you know mind discipline that Leslie practices when he works and mm-hmm. you know if not for the kind of extremes that I was experiencing physically I wouldn't have been able to come across that you know so you know big you know pluses and minuses and the pluses can be had out of the minuses and so you know it was really cool and uh, I would love to be on the other side and really have my vision be realized it it would be awesome to to be in the i don't know the director's end of the collaboration Hmm. because uh a lot of the actor's art is the collaboration of deferment to somebody else's vision and um though i was given a lot of leeway in behind the mask um to kind of realize my own um vision um it would be great to have a an opportunity to hear my voice yeah. coming out of another actor's mouth well in the <laughs> sequel you're going to run the show because <laughs> what are they going to do they're not, are they going to cast someone else <laughs> come on well, well we'll see right. <laughs> we'll see well thanks for coming thanks yeah, for being this here this great. has been a lot of fun for me well, <laughs> at the very least <laughs> I also enjoyed myself. Okay, too. that's good. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll say this because I like to I like to compliment the guests when they're here. That's not true. It's mostly you. Um, <laughs> I usually berate the guests, but uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, a role that I that I feel like uh, you would be really great at, and I feel like it's coming up sometime in the next few years. So see what you can do about getting this role. If they ever have the Riddler. <laughs> in a, in a, in one of the Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, as you can see, I've got some Riddler action figures over there. I love the character of the Riddler. Oh well, yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> what, no, what, what I'm. Do you think of Jim Carrey in the um, <laughs> Joel Schumacher version? Great casting, poor execution. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Jim Carrey is a really great actor, and he had the he kind of kind of had the Frank Gorshin thing going as far as his energy level, but. Uh, yeah, not a good movie, right. um, but uh, but yeah, I, uh, the 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 direction that the that the Chris Nolan Chris yes, I'm friends with him. The Christopher <laughs> Nolan uh, films are going, uh, and having watched Behind the Mask, you know, recently, I, I I feel like they would need somebody who. It was interesting, you know, a few minutes ago hearing you really describe, and I saw you like really understanding like Leslie Vernon's thought process. And I feel like that's something that that uh, that I think like a Heath Ledger did when he played the Joker. And honestly, who aside from Catwoman, who can they have as the next villain? All of the other villains are like too outlandish for the way the direction the films are going. So it's got to be Riddler, and it's got to be you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind being in uh, in any kind of studio picture. I, I really wouldn't turn my nose at any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Chris Nolan picture no less would be pretty outstanding career leap for me. All right. Well, we'll do what we can on this side. I appreciate it. <laughs> so don't you worry about that. We, we got you covered as far as podcasts go. Um, <laughs> All right. So where, where can people find you online, Nathan? Um, 
Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> you have a Twitter as You're well. On Twitter. Oh yeah, I do have Twitter. Yeah. No, I do. I had a blog too. I I have a blog. I just never go on it. That's part of my, you know, turning my. But I know I need to get a lot better about that. <laughs> I'll get back on that blog. I'm sure. We have children and stuff. You know, you got. Uh, you're busy. You got stuff to do. Uh, yeah, I'm busy, and I just, uh, I, I, yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, this, is, can, this has ended very sadly. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. You can find us at battleshipretention.com, of course, or find us on iTunes. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. That would help yeah. us. Write us a review on iTunes. You can find me uh, tweeting for the show on Twitter at, at twitter.com slash thepretension. Yeah. You can find Tyler at twitter.com slash more lessons. Right. Which is the Twitter for his podcast, More Than One Lesson. Yes. Uh, which, as of right now, we don't yet know if it has won the that podcast award. I'm willing to bet it didn't. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we don't know. I'm still holding out hope. And, as always, uh, go to the website and be sure to click on donate. It would really help us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Look at the caliber of guest we're getting. You know, he didn't come here for free. Yeah, we're What? No, we're not paying him. I'm going <laughs> to steal one of the Riddler figurines. <laughs> oh, man, you son of a... I'll give you money. I'll gladly give you money before I give you one of those. Um, I don't think we've ever discussed my Riddler. Anyway, uh, my Riddler collection. But uh, anyway, so uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for, for listening. Thanks, Nathan, once again for coming. And uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.